Traveling Travel Podcast. Proud sponsors of TNT Extreme Wrestling and Full of Wrestling Convention. Welcome to episode two of the Wrestling Travel Podcast. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode very much because there's going to be plenty of these coming your way in the near future. You can catch it every single week on Anchor FM, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Make sure you check us out. Uh, My name is Danny, and I'm, of course, joined by Justin Clapper, the host of the Lockdown Sessions. How are you doing this week, Justin? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I'm just counting up all of the listeners that we had last week, taking account, writing their names down, and checking the list twice. I don't know where I was going with that, Danny, but yeah, I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not too bad. Thank you very much on this. Uh, delight. I was hoping that we could kind of feed off each other, and I was met with dead silence. So uh, I wasn't too sure where you got this list from, to be honest. The list. You know what happens? You know what happens to people that don't listen to our podcast? Do you know what happens? Uh, I don't know. We put their name down on a list. I don't want to. I don't want to get accused of gimmick infringement. Oh, we certainly don't want that. No. But meanwhile, enough of my witty banter. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm ready for another episode of the podcast. It's been another great week for wrestling travel um, as we continue to uh, to grow and grow, and uh, we're very excited for what's to come in the future. Um, but speaking of the future. This weekend, there are two massive pay-per-views happening, one for Impact Wrestling, one for WWE. But let's take a look at Slammiversary first, taking place on Saturday night on Fight TV. Justin, there's been a lot of speculation about a former world champion appearing, plus others appearing. Who's your pick to make an appearance? I got to think... Um... <coughs> <coughs> I get choked up when I talk about um, appearances. Um, excuse me. We don't, I don't have the cough filter here. I got to think. I'm thinking Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, is a possibility to show up. I do think it's former world champion, so I guess the only one out there really that I can think of is EC3 would be a good one to come back into the fold. Um, what's going on with Gallows and Anderson? Yeah. I would think that, um, you know, now's not the time to go back to Japan. I don't think they can swing that. So their possibility of showing up somewhere, somehow. It's just exciting, Danny. It brings me back to um the the 80s and 90s when people would just, you know, hey, you didn't know, and all of a sudden somebody's showing up. The fact that we're how many days away from this now? Just a handful of days, and uh, two days, actually, and we are still speculating is awesome. There's no internet. Nobody, somebody hasn't gone out and leaked this where we're like, oh, yeah, EC3 showing up. You know what I'm saying? You still got it. You still, you don't know, do you? <coughs> I have no idea. All I see is 
you know, obviously there's been a few of the guys that have posted different teasers. You've got uh, Heath Slater who's posted that uh, someone better watch out on July um, 18th when the pay-per-view is. Um, I think uh, Luke Gallows, he um, posted something last week where he had an Impact Wrestling t-shirt on. Um, so there's just these different little teasers that are coming out, but you're not actually sure if they're going to make an appearance. But it is, but like you say, it adds to the excitement that um, you know, and the surprise element that sometimes is goes missing in wrestling, doesn't it? Right, and I love the fact that um, there's a surprise. Now, is it the, is this podcast going to air prior to Slammiversary? It will be airing the day before, so on Friday this will get released. So, uh, so that's not too late to enter our contest then to watch Slammiversary for free with Fight TV. Is that correct? That is correct. The winner will be announced four hours before the event, so there is still plenty of time um, to oh. enter. What exactly is the competition, Justin, if you remind me? Well, we get a free um, code from Fight TV to watch Slammiversary. Um, what you need to be doing is following us and, more importantly, subscribing to our YouTube channel, which it's almost like a double bonus. What if you win the Fight TV code? You also are subscribed to our YouTube, and we're having our 1,000 or 1K giveaway, as I like to call it, because it rhymes. Our quest for 1,000 subscribers. Um, and we're going to give away all kinds of prizes. I think I showed on our one of our last talks. I've got an autograph poster, autograph Ric Flair Hulk Hogan poster um, from probably 91, 92. Um, from a, a house show in Aloha Stadium. Um, we've got some wrestling travel merch. We can give away some discounts on our travel. We'll talk about that later, wherever WrestleMania may be. But we got all kinds of stuff we want to give away. Now, disclaimer here, Danny. I found something out from our buddies over at True Heel Heat. If you are in a hurry and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to make sure I've subscribed to the YouTube. So I just run over to Wrestling Travel's YouTube, click subscribe, and then I, I go on with my day. You're not going to be subscribed. After a while, they'll pull you off because uh, I believe they might think that you're a bot. I don't understand all the technical mumbo jumbo, but that you're a robot or something. So you actually have to get in the Wrestling Travel, let a video play. I mean, why would you not want to watch some of our great content? Anyway, we've got awesome guests on there but let a video play for a couple minutes um subscribe watch a video and you're gonna stay subscribed otherwise for some reason is it the algorithm or some type of ism that is uh that pulls you off so i we've seen it where we've had you know a hundred subscribers overnight and then we're, we get pretty fired up and then by the morning we're down to 50 new subscribers, and it's, it's what I learned from True Hail Heat. Okay, so moving on to WWE, they have a pay-per-view this weekend, Extreme Rules, this Sunday. Obviously, we talked about the eye for an eye um, stipulation last week, but did you manage to catch any of SmackDown last Friday, Justin? What, what part of SmackDown are you talking about? Well, I'm specifically looking at the, the karaoke challenge, if, if you caught any of that. I totally, I totally missed that. Yeah, there was a, a karaoke challenge involving um, 
some of the women on SmackDown. Um, but it sort of ties into our, our conversation last week where we were sort of saying, oh, oh, WWE and AEW trying to outdo each other with the most ridiculous sort of segments and things. But yeah, it wasn't very exciting to watch, especially when WWE are celebrating their women's evolution um, five years since all that began um, this week and the next uh, the next few weeks there. But uh, have you ever ever participated in a in a karaoke challenge for any any wrestling events that you've been a part of? I have never done karaoke at a show, but I have done karaoke. One of my first times was at Niagara Falls. I was trying to impress a young lady I was there with, and we went out, and there is this huge karaoke. I mean, hindsight, Danny, I didn't impress her much because I think it, we were um, like 22, 23, and everybody else there was like 50. And I, I think um, – and she was, uh, she was a, a British gal, so kind of brings in the British audience here to this story. Anyway, I got up and sang – um, a song by the Georgia Satellites called Keep Your Hands to Yourself. <laughs> I blew it away. Danny, outstanding performance by me. I cannot give myself enough credit. Finished the song, and it was just crickets. Nobody said anything. But the guy that was hosting the karaoke was a hero of mine um, after that night because he was the most unenthusiastic karaoke host you could ever have. Um, I said, nobody, nobody said anything. I got no applause or anything. So I said, thank you. I'll be here all week. And he goes, really good. Then I can leave. I mean, I love the guy. So, no, I have no uh, no professional wrestling karaoke experience. But my, I'm going to answer your question with a question. If you could karaoke one wrestler's theme song, who would it be? So I'd like to hear you come out with a Booyaka Booyaka 619. You think that you think that'd fit? I think you'd be terrible at it. That's why I picked that one. <laughs> uh, let's go with, let's go with um, the game, Triple H. Really? Get all no. serious with it. Either that or, uh, or the Bellas. The Bellas theme song, that, that would do, wouldn't it? That would be great. You know who would be great at karaoke? Our good friend Robbie J. Is he, Lead is he singer for Stuck Mojo. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's got his... Uh... You get that if you watch the lockdown sessions, all that little interesting things. Very, very talented young man. So, yeah, I think the, the last time I participated in any karaoke was actually in Japan on the last night of the... Um, the Wrestle Kingdom tour, me and a few others. Um, went right. To, now that went karaoke's to, like at a different level over there, right? That's huge. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a very interesting experience. Um, but uh, yeah, we were there for a few hours. I remember uh, plenty of songs got sung. I think I was singing a bit of Tina Turner, "Simply the Best." Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. Maybe even some Celine Dion, from what I remember. But um, yeah, it was a, an interesting night indeed. Now, 
here's the thing with karaoke, and I know we're going off on a tangent. Um, karaoke um, here in Wisconsin, in my hometown, maybe 10 years ago, was kind of a popular thing. But you've got to, you're like a DJ when you're doing karaoke. You cannot, you have to watch the crowd. I remember uh, a crowd would be rocking and rolling, and some broad would always come up and sing The Rose by Bette Midler. Um, talk about bringing your party to a screeching halt. Now, she did it beautifully, from what I can remember. But you, you man, you got to be singing some up-tempo karaoke. Yeah. You got to be willing to look a fool. And both you and I are. I mean, I don't know where it was Celine Dion, but hey, you probably play in the crowd there. <laughs> yeah, let's say, uh, yeah, simply the best, I think, uh, gets the crowd going, doesn't it? I think as listeners are turning this podcast off now because we're talking about karaoke, I think maybe this is a weekly segment. Like, what's what's going on? What's the latest in the, the world of karaoke with Danny and JC? <laughs> what song have you sung this week? That could be our poll question, our podcast poll question. What's your go-to karaoke song? I like it. We'll see what's, you know what I like uh, about that is we've never had a podcast poll question. We just pulled that out of our ass, and now we've got one. I'll tell you what, actually, I've just remembered something. When I was in New Orleans for WrestleMania 30, um, some guy went up in this bar. What's the bar called? It had a good name. Um, and sang uh, Cult of Personality, CM Punk's theme. The whole place loved it. I've got the video somewhere. I'll have to try and dig that up. But, uh, but like I say, play the crowd. Always a winner. I thought maybe you were going to say that you did karaoke in New Orleans as well, which was going to lead me to think that you're some type of the, the closet karaoke guy. No, definitely Hidden not. talent, definitely man. Definitely not. Definitely not. Now, let me ask you, um, at the Christmas party with Lee Mack and at Wrestle Kingdom, were there any alcoholic beverages involved in this karaoke? Um, the Christmas party, no. I, w- I wasn't participating, but in Japan, there, w- there, was, a f- there was a few. There was a, there was a little few. Oh, you know what? My very first karaoke experience was at, um, do you guys have prom over there? I uh, don't think so. A prom, it's a big dance your junior year of high school. Anyway, we had post prom. Oh, oh, prom. Yeah, 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 yeah. We do, we do at the end of at the end of sort of school and college. Yeah, okay. no, we do, we do. Like it's not the proms, but prom. Yeah. Um. So, um, very impressed that me and a couple of my buddies got up and nobody wanted to do karaoke because. Of course, you're in high school and you got to be like, oh, what will people think of me? And we were of the whatever, let's just have fun. So uh, very proud to say that my first karaoke song was by the Divinals, I Touch Myself. <laughs> uh, did you choose that or did somebody choose that for you? I did. I said, let's just do it. If we're going to, because at the time it was, it was such a new thing. You got to remember how old I am. You know, everything was in black and white. There was... Um, I didn't have history classes back then, Danny. I'm so old. It was current events. So uh, <laughs> I said, if we're going to make, if we're going to look foolish, 
let's go all the way and that song was popular and uh i want to say nobody remembers it but we had fun has he been captured right. anywhere on on the camera we didn't have cameras back then <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry about that jason uh, yeah. but, uh, no it would have been great to watch that back and uh maybe put that on the uh the lockdown sessions well maybe we can recreate it but there there might there probably have to be a, a few uh uh pbrs involved but yes we should be this is the longest segment we've ever done on a podcast and it's karaoke i love it yeah i'm thinking of calling this the uh the karaoke edition of this uh this podcast <laughs> i do think we do a poll though i want to find out what if people have go-to karaoke songs i want to learn them so when we're out on trips when the world gets back to normal, you and I and the rest of the team are traveling out with all kinds of cool people at different wrestling events. We can make sure we had a karaoke bar. And you and I will have the insights on what are good karaoke go-tos. Sounds good to me. I'll, uh, I'll make sure we get that posted when this, uh, when this podcast uh, gets posted with that. Yeah, because I think if we have all the go-tos, Danny, I think you and I will be like the next like American Idol or X Factor winners. Imagine, you know, it'd be uh, incredible. All right, moving on. Moving on. Will you be watching Extreme Rules on Sunday? I will, but I got to tell you, I'm starting to my, my, here's where my age comes in again. It's, I know there's not much choices right now, but to do the cinematic matches. They're going to have to do a really, really good job to keep this dinosaur here um, engaged in liking the eye for an eye match um, and, and the swamp match. I know the swamp match might be uh, more like the uh, boneyard match, but this eye for an eye thing, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the concept, but I love professional wrestling. I love it in all forms, uh, WWE, AEW, Impact. So I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to give it my full attention, and, and hopefully they um, – I like going into things with low expectations. Yeah. Because then maybe I come out going, well, okay, I was impressed. So what are you – what's your thoughts? You're, you're, a lot of guys don't know this about you. A lot of people don't realize that you're, you're a student of the game. You are the game. So you got a lot of insight and a lot of opinions and stuff. But what this this eye for an eye match, and I know we've talked about it before, but what do you think? What's going to happen here? I, I'm with you on this, Justin. I don't know how they're going to sort of pull it off or uh, how they're going to actually recreate someone's eye being pulled out if we're actually going to see it happen. Um. But I think there's going to be, like like you said, a lot of special effects coming into play with this. I can't imagine either of those guys have got an eye ready to just pop out um, on the uh, on the go there. But, um, I mean, I don't even know where the match is taking place. Is it, is it going to be inside the ring? Are they just going to do it there or are they going to do it elsewhere? I, I, not, there's not really enough information to sort of try and form an opinion together of how it is going to go down. Obviously, you know, the Swamp match is happening elsewhere but um but this one it's i mean it's certainly intriguing it, it does make you want to watch to to find out what is going to happen 
Yeah, maybe that's that's the whole gig here. Even if uh, even if it is a flopper and people hate it, they're gonna have their. Well, I mean, do they even do ratings on a on a pay per view? Maybe I don't know. I just the whole world's upside down, and we're having an eye for an eye match. I think the best place for something like that to take place would be like the uh, Piper and Goldust, a backyard lot. Maybe they have a a back lot brawl. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some type of weapon, I would think, to extract somebody's eye. I uh, I just don't know, but you know what? It's gonna make me tune in, and I think it'll make the haters tune in too, because they'll be like, "Well, how are they gonna pull this crap off? What are they gonna do?" So we can, you know, I mean, Twitter's gonna be a buzz if Twitter is indeed up and running, um, with people ready to chime in on that. So I, I'm like you, I'm. The swamp match, that match. I mean, what else? I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to those two, but those are obviously the two, the two big ones. I want to know. Um, yeah, the, there was a spoiler that WWE posted. Um, I think it was on one of their social channels, Facebook. I think it was regarding the McIntyre Ziggler stipulation. Have you have you seen that? Yeah. No, I just know it's to be determined. Match. So apparently, WWE posted that it's going to be a, a TLC match. That one. Oh, okay. So that, I think, obviously with Dolphin there, he's always um, a great performer. Same with Drew. I think that one could be uh, quite quite the now, match. Are you stuck on? Yeah, I think after WrestleMania 29, when Dolph cashed in. People called that an unsuccessful title run. Um, he's a good soldier, but are you, uh, in all your wisdom, are you convinced that they would ever put the big one on him again? For the last sort of few years, the way he's sort of now a, a mainstay veteran, so to speak, I, I personally don't see it, to be honest. Which is sad because he's done... You know, look what he did for Goldberg on short notice at last SummerSlam, you know. Um, I guess I would say the match that I am really think is going to be a decent match would be Apollo and MVP. Yeah. And, man, I'm just hoping um, the two ladies matches there, um, I'm hoping they can bring it to a level that the NXT girls do. You remember my... My disappointment at Backlash, but I'm I'm giving everybody a chance. I love I love Nikki Cross. I mean, I just think she's just a cool. I mean, it's not even talking about her wrestling. That's what I'm like. She's just a cool, cool girl. She seems like a sweetheart. I watched our um, our good friend Alicia too do an interview with her not too long ago. Seems like just a cool girl. Yeah. Obviously, I know Bailey can bring it. Oscar and Sasha, that might – you think maybe that steals the uh, – what do you think steals the night? Throw out the CGI matches or the cinematic. Throw out the Swamp match. Throw out the eye for an eye. You got Drew versus Dolph. Oscar versus Sasha. Bailey versus Nikki. And you got Apollo and MVP. Out of those matches, what do you think steals the night? Well, I, I'm a, I am a sucker for a TLC match, so if that is correct as 
promoted, I think that'll be the one that stands out. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think the the Sasha Banks match will be the, the the second best on that list. I think those two performers are absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with you on that. Um, Asuka and Sasha. I mean, as much as I love Nikki, I haven't. And you know what? If you're listening to this prior to uh, Sunday, which you will be, go on our YouTube when you're subscribing and getting into the, the Slammiversary contest. But go watch one of our free match Fridays featuring a very young Nikki Storm, who is a.k.a. Nikki Cross. Uh, we got all kinds of gems coming our way um, there. So, I mean, that's one of them. This weekend, we saw New Japan Pro Wrestling um, <laughs> two events, um, the New Japan Cup final and also Dominion, which saw fans return to um, shows for the first time in Japan um, in quite a few months there. Um, did you manage to, to check any anything out of that at the weekend? Any results, Justin? Man, I saw the results and I saw some photos, but you being our our guy in on the ground in Tokyo last. Um, looking at the, it looks like they had quite a few fans there. What did they ever give out a number? Um, I've not seen a number, but yeah, that was one thing I was quite intrigued with when starting watching the event at the weekend. Just how many um, would be in attendance? But yeah, there was quite a fair few. Obviously, with social distancing involved, they managed to get uh, plenty in there, and they did. Um, to be fair to them, they did get involved with pretty much everything, which was great to see. But it, it actually felt like a normal wrestling uh, event again, which was a um, breath of fresh air from what we've been seeing recently, of course. Um, but what did you think of um, the results overall with Evil winning the New Japan Cup and then going well, on? I know there was, the there was a lot of things on there saying that um, they you know, if you thought that Evil was going to win, if you predicted it, there's no way that you did. Um, I did. I took the wrestling travel poll on Twitter. I chose Evil. And what I like to say is if you didn't see where that was going, then you don't know Dick Togo. <laughs> Do you see Dick, uh, Dick turning up at all? No, I didn't see it either. I just wanted to get away to say you didn't see, you don't know Dick Togo into the conversation. So, no, I was excited. Um, it's tough to follow New Japan currently where I'm at, um, besides the internet and stuff. And what I, um, if I can't have like that weekly show or something where I can get into, it's too easy um, to just get spoilers, especially when New Japan has such a time difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to get by the time I, I'd like to watch some stuff, but it's already 7,000 people have tweeted it, Facebooked it, all the results. So it's, it's tough for me. I love, I love the product. I should look into getting the New Japan network. I did like it when it was on TV over here. Um, Jim Ross was doing some English commentary. Oh, because it's fun. It's great wrestling. It's great storytelling. It's just it's hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Now you're when you're up late covering that. What is that? Is that the middle of the night for you as well? Uh, it wasn't late. I was up at. It started at seven a.m. over here, so it was an early morning shift that I was putting in to cover the Dominion event on Sunday. 
Um, so it's not too bad. You know, you can get up, have your breakfast whilst watch it, and that takes up the morning. Um, so the time right. is not too bad. But I know for you guys, it's it's early in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, it's like ridiculous o'clock. And I was glad to see your setup. Now that I know that you were having Guinness at 7 a.m. and not like 3 in the morning, I feel better. <laughs> it was just apple juice, honestly. No, it's good. Um, did you you... What did you think of the match? Because I only saw still photos. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the event as a whole, I thought it wasn't on par to where a Dominion event usually is. But obviously, they are still missing quite a lot of stars at the minute that are stuck around the world um, due to the pandemic. But, I mean, the main event itself, I mean, I was, I was um, surprised the way it went. Uh, I mean, even the first night with, obviously, Evil and... Um, um, aligning with Bullet Club and then um, obviously then Dick Togo getting involved on Sunday for him and then ultimately winning um, both the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles. It was a shock, but it certainly got plenty of people talking. So was that Dick a surprise for you then? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect anything. Uh, uh, you, know, you were not expecting that. Dick. I'm afraid I wasn't expecting Dick, but I am looking forward now uh, to the evil Dick era moving forward. Oh, you popped me on that one. Fantastic. Good. I'm, glad <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, always I'm happy to hear that you're looking forward to evil Dick. So The evil Dick era. Um, but yeah, I think once things start easing up, New Japan get their roster back to normal. Um, I think it's full steam ahead for them, to be honest. Really looking forward to see what's going to come up in the next few months. And hopefully, awesome. I mean, hopefully things will be fine for January uh, for Wrestle Kingdom. We've got uh, so many people booked on for that. We want to make sure that obviously um, we can get them all to Tokyo safely. Um, but it's just a case of um, keeping an eye on things, keep monitoring things and uh, see what the next steps will be. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, so far, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that over the next couple of weeks, there's not anything that came out of this event having fans there as far as the virus. And uh, I haven't heard anything so far. So that's good. It was good to, it was when I, like I said, I only was able to see the still shots, but it's good to see fans at the arena. Yeah, no, it was fantastic indeed. Uh, moving on to AWNXT. Um, I don't know if you saw it last week following NXT AW. I think it was just after we'd done our podcast last week that Tony Khan uh, was tweeting about the ratings, the demographics, all that sort of thing. Um, would you agree he did the right thing there, tweeted all that? Do you think he should uh, be too concerned and you know, getting that out in the public domain? No, it, it reeks of desperation to me. I saw it when Jericho was doing it too. Like, hey, you may have won this part, but we won where it's important, this, these demographics. And to your average wrestling fan, um, we just like what we like. We most – I always agree that if you're, if you're a really good fan, you're watching both. Watching both as much as you can, but when you're talking about this demographic, because that's what appeals to advertising, that's why why you won, dude. That's great. I'm I'm happy for you, but it it, it just seems like uh, what's the term? 
Yeah, I was thinking. Or grapes, you know, sour grapes. Yes, I was thinking, like, imagine if after one of those episodes on a Thursday, you know, Triple H started tweeting about stuff like that. Imagine the sort of outrage and uh, that would cause just for him coming out with stuff like that. It, it did smell of, like you said, of, of desperation to, to, you know, even bring that sort of thing up. Yeah, I can't see Hunter doing that. Like I said, you just you think about that. You just saying that phrase. Imagine if he did that. It's just like, man, it, he wouldn't do it. It's, they're a a professionally run business, and I'm not saying that AEW isn't, because I'll get a lot of heat for this. But you can kind of tell this is this company is still in development. It's kind of the boys running the show for right now, and. There are some little things like that that I think they'll look back upon and go, yeah, you know what, we we probably should have. But it does. It reeks of desperation. Um, what was intriguing as well is that on AEW last night, Chris Jericho actually mentioned it in, in his promo as well. He, he brought that up um, about the demos. But I, I don't know if he was doing it to try and rile people up, if you know what I mean, um, or whether it was something that he, cause I haven't actually seen the, the clip of it. but. It was mentioned as right. well on the, on the actual broadcast last night. That's that's unbelievable. But when it comes to Jericho, um, he can get a lot of stuff over. And you're right; he can very easily say that was whole part part of the part of the gig. There, we had that planned, and we did that as kind of a rib or whatever. So you can't really. It's hard to shit on him for that. But again, I can't see McMahon. I can't see. Um, Let's say when um, NFL, if they, you know, your, your soccer, your football over there, any professional sports league tweeting about, hey, well, we may have lost to this show, but we got the demographic. It just, it just reeks of desperation. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that there. But where if our podcast right here was winning in any demographic, I would be bragging it up and tweeting it. So... <laughs> I mean, we are uh, we are just getting going. So any uh, any viewers at this time are uh, are a success to us at this point. Last week we had a special lockdown sessions with Tyrus, um, featured on the podcast on episode one. This week. We have another special lockdown session, one that is currently on YouTube at the moment, but one that we thought was extremely fascinating with one of the great guys in the business right now, Tyson Dukes. Take a listen now. Welcome back to Wrestling Travel Presents the Lockdown Sessions. Today, we are very happy to have joining us Tyson Dukes. Tyson, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? See, that intro wasn't that bad. I don't know what you're talking about. It was simple and to the point. Yeah, like Simple and to the point, yeah. The, the ending is <laughs> atrocious because I'll tell you, hey, I got a couple more questions for you, and then we're 20 minutes down the lane, and I go, just three more. That's what I <laughs> So, Sweet. Tyson, so we've been doing this thing called the lockdown session since uh, right about the beginning of April. Uh, just kind of our chance to catch up with everybody during this crazy time. Mm -hmm. um on the planet and it's hopefully we're, we're coming out of crazy times 
uh, as far as the virus and everything is concerned. So we just wanted to, to get a chance to get to know you a little bit better and find out what you've been up to. But um, first things first, I was looking at doing my due diligence researching. Um, I always like to joke three weeks ago, somebody called me a journalist. So I've got to be doing something right. Oh, but, snap. Um, I always like to ask people, like, when you're young, what catches your eye and gets you in the business? And if I have this correct, I read you got a Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling coloring book from mom. Yeah. Yep. That was it, man. That was That's it. Awesome. Now, I would give anything just to have the old rock and wrestling coloring book still in my uh, possession. But that was, that was it. Tell me a little bit more about that. You're, you're, you get the book and you... Well, just a little backstory. Uh, I grew up in a small town in New Brunswick, like a small village. So there's only family there and we're farm community. And my dad was a truck driver. So he's on the road a lot. And my mom uh, was a nurse or uh, a nurse assistant. And then she stopped uh, being a nurse to take care of kids, right? That's what you do. Anyways, um, not much money. This is like the like the 80s we're talking about. In the 80s, not everybody has any kind of wealth. Like, you know, kids nowadays seem to have stuff and parents seem to be okay. Like, we used to, you know, scrape pennies together, that kind of stuff. So to say that we were poor, it wouldn't be right because we weren't dirt poor. But, like, we're the same as every other family that's middle class and they just don't have that much so my mom one time uh, i'll tell you uh, when i was a kid she uh i my cousins had gi joe uh and so they had these action figures and i wanted one we didn't have the money for one so my mom drew on cardboard and cut out uh this little soldier and that was my G.I. Joe for the next month. I played with a piece of cardboard <laughs> as if it was a, if it, if it was a, a, like a, an actual action figure. That was my first kind of like action figure. So that kind of puts into perspective how I grew up. Right. And it's not a bad way of growing up. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but, uh, when my mom went to town for groceries and she brings home this whatever 50 cent whatever it was at the time 60 cents comic or coloring book uh with these larger than life characters on it for a kid that plays with like a cardboard uh gi joe uh homemade thing or um just doesn't have the same things as other kids uh that really you're right away you're you're hooked to it you're linked to something either through life and an experience in life and so, like, to really dive into the psychology of it, it's more than just uh, uh, the coloring book. It was something, like, it was something that was mine, and it was new. And uh, to see these larger-than-life characters on these pages of Hulk Hogan and, like, Hillbilly Jim. I loved Hillbilly Jim. I'm a farm kid. He's a farm guy. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it's a beautiful moment in my life that I will always uh, treasure. I don't have many memories uh, turning 42 tomorrow. So like, I don't have many of those, but when I catch them, uh, that will always stay with me. That's awesome. I had very similar with, uh, growing up in the eighties and we, we still have some, uh, God, I think they're called weevilos or these little figures that are shaped like an egg. And one of them was a glow in the dark ghost. And we still have 
the actual face had worn off and mom had drawn in with a, a magic marker. And my sister and I make sure that we don't touch that thing because we don't want to lose yeah. where mom had drawn that in. So that that's awesome. So from from that, that book, then what's your first uh, memory, if you have one, of actually watching pro wrestling on TV? Uh, so now it's going to be a little, it's, it's tricky because it's great. Okay. Uh, we have, a thing, we have a thing called uh, Grand Prix wrestling back home. Uh, like on the East coast, it was called Grand Prix wrestling and guys like the Acadian giant are also known as Kurgan. That's where Kurgan came, came from okay. is a Grand Prix wrestling. And, uh, they used to have dynamite kid on his last days, Leo Burke, who's a legend in Canada. He was also a grand, like it was the East coast end of, t of the territory. West Coast had Stampede, East Coast had Grand Prix. Um, and then, of course, Montreal had all, like, uh, international wrestling and all these places. Anyways, um, that's kind of my first uh, look into pro wrestling is seeing the Acadian Giant and um, uh, Bulldog Bob Brown. He's mentioned in uh, Jericho's book. Uh, Bob Brown was a huge heel back then. I hated his guts. Um but my real the the thing that really sets that apart because I love that wrestling I've always loved that stuff, but uh, I was a little bit older and what really drew me to uh, stuff outside of Hulk Hogan was a show called Wrestling Plus, and Wrestling Plus was a Canadian program that grabbed from each territory a match and put it on their uh, Saturday show. Wrestling Plus was the best programming ever, and I wish to God we had it nowadays, where they took from, like, like today would have WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan. They would just have all these things, and then they just have one match each. And it wouldn't be the highlight match. It would just be a match. It would be a good match. And so Wrestling Plus one time had uh, Chris Benoit and Leo Burke from Team Canada. And this was NWA uh, tag titles uh, against Jushin Liger and Mr. Saito. And I remember the first time of watching these guys because, like, Mr. Saito and Leo Burke were scary men. And Chris Benoit and Liger were athletic dudes. And just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Because Leo Burke, I knew Leo Burke. And then the, who is this Benoit guy? Who is this guy in the mask? Completely changed my life when it comes to wrestling. It's like, it's a, just open the door to, like, I need to know everything about what this is you know yeah, it's beautiful yeah, it's funny when i go back and look at uh, growing up you know when you didn't know anything how much i i was an awa guy loved because mm. that's close to minneapolis here uh everybody always asks who's your favorite wrestler and i always go well i'm gonna get a bunch of crap for this but it's greg Ganya, because when i grew up that's all we really had right and he was training with sergeant slaughter this is post high flyers and I remember when Kurt Henning turned on him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, people lose their mind over a football game or a basketball game. But as a kid, I, mean, I, I was like, freaking hate that Kurt Henning. Freaking hated him. I mean, what a, what a weasel. What a, and I was just, and I'm, then you realize later on, like, they got me. They got, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. But I mean, I, I could not hate Kurt Henning anymore. And now that I'm older, I could not love that guy anymore. You know what I mean? But I'm just right. drawn in. Um, like you, know, you, know, you know who's great for that, too? Like, just to sidetrack it is Jerry Lawler. 
was the most loved human being in Memphis. But Jerry Lawler and his run with Bret Hart in WWF, I legitimately would shake with anger, like anger. Just hated him. You know that kiss my foot match? Yeah. Just, oh my God. There's so much hatred for Jerry Lawler when I was a little kid. And then later on in my career, when I actually got to wrestle Jerry, I got to, we did a tag one time and we got to, I got to wrestle him. <laughs> and I just, I remember chuckling to myself being in the ring with him and taking his punches because I was the heel and he was the baby face. And I'm like, I imagine, just imagine young me just vibrating with anger, just hoping that uh, uh, Brett would just beat the ever-living tar out of him so bad. Like, really, as a child, maliciously wanting someone to hurt another human being <laughs> and then to be wrestling that guy, is <laughs> it's quite astounding that uh, how things change. Like you said, like, Nobody, you couldn't hate Mr. Perfect and Kurt Henning anymore in that situation. But now you watch it and you're like, God, he's so good. He's so good. How could you not love that guy? You know, yeah. but just as a kid, and that's to me, that's wrestling uh, as a child and, and like having your, your dad there kind of nudging you along saying, Oh, he's going to get him now. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the magic of it. That's magic. I, I just, I've never had seen, um, you know, Greg's getting his butt kicked in the ring, and he goes for the tag, and perfect. Or Kurt at the time, either slaps him or walks away, whatever. And I'm like, "What? Well, are you what? Are you kidding me?" You know. So yeah, yeah, they hooked me in. So um, amazing. So how do you how do you go from uh, small town? Because you know, we were talking off camera about you know 1997. Now that's mm -hmm. a different world. But right now, yeah, people can go and look up, hey, a wrestling school, where can I train? Wrestling schools are advertising. But I know as well as you do that in 1997, that doesn't seem that long ago to me, but maybe because I'm old. But we, uh, we had a hard time finding a school. So how did you find a place to train? Well, that's the thing is I um, saw online or I saw on TV that Kowalski had a school. Right, Killer Kowalski. So that's my dad on when I graduated from high school, uh, and he hated wrestling. He turned this into a, like a, the greatest graduation present uh, a kid could have. That's how much my old man loved me because he hated wrestling. He thought it was stupid, but he took me to um, that summer. He took me to a Grand Prix show where Edge and Christian were on uh, at Sexton Howard Castle and Christian Cage. So that was that was. And then that was just the buffer. And I thought that was like, oh, shoot, this is great. I loved being there, and I loved it. And then he, he flipped the switch on me, and he took me down to Pennsylvania for uh, WCW because I was a huge – I still am a, a Benoit fan. And he, he figured out that it was Benoit and Regal were wrestling on this house show in Pennsylvania. And he drove us from the East Coast. He drove us down to Pennsylvania. And that's like whatever, like. 12 13 hour 14 hours like but my dad's a trucker so he didn't give a shit um so he drove us all the way down there and on the way we stopped at killer kowalski's to check it out and he was uh yeah because my dad was worried about uh the whole thing because he wanted me to be a farm guy and a, like you know work with him you know at home and all I wanted to do was wrestle. So he was like, well, I, 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 at least if, I, if he's going to do this, I got to at least study it and see 
uh, how he's going to end up. Like, is this going to beat him up? Or are they just going to hurt him? Whatever. So we went and visited Kowalski uh, and got to meet him and all that stuff. And, then, you know, when you're 17, 18, like around there, uh, the internet is brand new. Like, it was brand, brand new where it was dial-up. And um, after meeting Kowalski, he's like, well, Ty, I don't really want to send you to the States. And, like, I just have no – I don't see you. I don't – you know, it's kind of – it's a little bit too far to throw you into another country under this. So let's look Let's look in Canada. I, like, there's one – the hearts go – the hearts come from somewhere, don't they? I'm like, yeah, they, they wrestle or they train in Calgary. Well, we found online, I found the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling in Ontario that was run by the oldest being Smith Hart. That was his name. That was his school for like a hiccup. And that's where I went. So I ended up in Cambridge and Ontario training under the Hart Brothers, like Hart Brothers School of Wrestling. Um, and that, that's, that was it. You know, I never really left Ontario. I would go home every once in a while to build more money and lick my wounds when I was banged up. But I always stayed just in Ontario. I just moved a couple provinces over, and that was it. That's awesome. I mean, you <laughs> thinking about your dad taking you there. Um, similar story. My dad, 1989, takes me to the Knight Center in Miami. He lived in Florida. My parents were divorced, and I got. I I told the wrestling travel guys. I said you wouldn't believe. I I looked it up. Like, what was the card that day? Because it was it was the Great American Bash tour. And uh, I wish I could remember, and I wish I had one of these things back then because it was Eddie Gilbert versus uh, the Gold Muta. Nice. Sting versus Terry Funk, just on like a, a house show. So good. Seeing the guys you watched on TV and then seeing them live is crazy when you're a kid, you know? because you don't you don't understand it like as a kid like you watch tv you watch action like because in the 80s you know this as well as i do action movies were like every every they were flipping them all the time like nowadays it's all cinematics and all that stuff but we grew up on stallone schwarzenegger van damme uh willis all these guys that were like straight up badasses and like it was so great to watch like that so like wrestling was the same so it was like uh tv but, like, when you actually got to see that stuff live and see the people that you really, really familiar, familiarized yourself with and really enjoyed uh, and then saw them, that's, like you said, that's, they become larger than life in front of you. And it's, it's an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable experience. It really is. Like I said, we're on, this, we're on the same page on so much stuff here. So... We talked about Chris Benoit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump way ahead. So, how how do you end up getting the uh, dark side of the ring, uh, Chris Benoit? Uh, those, yeah, you know what is I did uh, now. If you watch the first season, the pilot episode, I'm in the pilot episode. I'm Dutch Mantel in that. I have okay. my a big beard and stuff, and so they casted me through that just because uh, those guys are wrestling fans. One of the guys is from the East Coast. The director. Jay Jason, who's an awesome dude, and then Evan is the guy that found me uh, at a local Toronto show. He watched me wrestle in Toronto because he was just kind of scouting people, and so he just th – that's how I got uh, hooked up with the deal on the first one because I had that big beard. They can cover up my tattoo. I only had one at the time, 
and uh, that was it. And then I'm old school, Dutch is old school, so it was an easy fix, right? So when this came around second time, second season, because the first season was so brilliant, so well done, and so popular, uh, their first one was their most important one, and it still is. This is our highest rated one, highest views, everything. They said, we need somebody to play Benoit, uh, and they just looked at me and said, would you, if, if you, could you shave your beard? Could you, you know, we cover up your tattoos. Do you, would you love, would you like to play Benoit? Cause they know that they, they know my style. They know how I wrestle. So they're like, Oh my God, like Tyson would be perfect if we could get him." And so they just called me up. It was like, honestly, I didn't put any kind of real work into that one. I wish I could have, cause it would make it more of a cool story. Right. But uh, they actually just hooked me up with the the job and said, if you want it, it's yours. We want you to be Benoit. And I uh, like, it took like a nanosecond to say, yes, of course. Of course I would be. That's always been my guy. And uh, uh, and then they said right away, as soon as I said yes, he said, we're going to make sure that it's handled tastefully, um, that we don't uh, – infringe on anybody on on anybody and make it look gruesome we're not going to do any of that stuff and they, and every every scene they explained how they wanted me to go about it and they explained the scene thoroughly and i watched the videos of everybody that's doing interviews so like either vicky guerrero or um uh, sandra or david i i watched their video and then i could do my the part of my role and uh it was great. It was great. Those guys are so good and like so ahead of the curve on this, like this TV program. And I'm hoping that they get more seasons out of it. Not even for me to get work, but just they're just good dudes and they deserve it. Yeah, and I, I hooked on that show and just looking up, um, there's so much more in wrestling, so many more stories that, that would make great, great TV for that. Did they film that? Did you film that in Canada or? Yeah, they, they do. They film it in Canada, right? Because Canada's cheaper. Toronto's cheaper to film out of. So, and of course, it's a state's company, right? And uh, Evan is American as well. And they just, they come up and they, they get it all together and they film out of Toronto. Yep. That's awesome. So now, looking up, trying to do my journalistic uh, thing, you've uh, essentially, and I know, I know guys like you, I know that you think, hey, I've got a lot more I want to do. But if, if we pause right now and look back, you've done, you've been in a lot of places and have done a lot of uh, really cool things. Uh, Cruiserweight Classic comes to mind. Uh, Saturday Night's Main Events, uh, mm -hmm. Impact Wrestling. Um, how, do you, how do you, once you're in school training, what is your, oh, you know what, in the Super 8 tournament, right? Yep. Uh, ECWA. Now that is coming from a guy, a kid who's reading wrestling magazines and stuff. That's a pretty, pretty prestigious thing. But you, you have an injury and you can't make it in the first year. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Oh, four. Yeah. I blew up my knee against Jindrak on velocity. So, uh, take it, uh, Jindrak is a good dude and he's apologized many times. So it's not like I'm, uh, harping on them, but they built them up all day and it's not just it's not a ginger act thing it's you have to be a monster you have to be a monster this is your first time on smackdown you have to be something larger than life and you've got to be a killer and so i'm a guy that you i'm going to work with you like I, 
I should have told him, I'm like, Mark, I'm just here to work with you, man, to make you look good. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to get my stuff in. I just want you to look good. And I was a small guy that did a goofy dance. And so uh, Mark gets in there. And as soon as we locked up, he like clubs me in the side head. And he's just, his eyes are like this. He's so like wide-eyed and just, uh, just needed to be settled down a bit. And unfortunately, the guy I am now would have just punched him really hard in the stomach. I would have just knocked the wind out of him a wee bit and said, okay, calm down. We're good, bro. We're good. But like back then, I just, I just fed into it, right, where I got tight and rigid. And so he whipped me into the corner. He said, hard buckle and sent me for the ride. And it was a legit, it was a legit whip, like as hard as he could whip me <laughs> that I couldn't turn around. So it was a combination of him being kind of uh high strung a little bit and them pumping them up and the canvas the canvas was actually not tight enough in that corner if you watch it you should you watch my foot step to turn and pivot and the canvas just buckles and like bunches up and i just you could hear my knee pop and then it hits that bottom buckle and then shoots backwards so it's like shifting gears in a truck so it shifts in and then i collapse and then i try i try for another try for at least another minute minute and a half to continue to work and said i just said hey man scrap all my stuff just get your stuff in just beat me up just beat me up just beat me up and that's what i kept telling him because i couldn't walk and then <laughs> the first thing he does is he says sunset flip and he whips me up ropes for a sunset flip so i have to hobble on one leg i didn't i honest to god dude i didn't know the the severity of how bad it was in, at my knee i thought at the time because i i wore a couple tensors on my knees i honest to god thought it was broke off inside my knee that's what it felt like i just had no uh sensation just severe pain at my knee and then nothing from my knee down i couldn't feel it so um yeah i blew out my knee i missed the super eight i missed my first run of japan because they called me brian kendrick got me on with uh, Hashimoto to work with Zero One. I had to cancel that. TNA messaged me for Team Canada. I had to cancel that. It was probably the worst, oh, the worst uh, experience of my whole career, and it's the longest I was out of professional wrestling, being six months. Well, we're getting close now, but <laughs> it was yeah. it was a long, long time, man. It took me out, and it, I lost a lot of stuff, and I almost quit. I almost quit wrestling because it almost uh broke me broke me mentally um to be that banged up and then i had to come back when i did come back the first thing they did is they <laughs> they threw me in the ring with uh, chris masters and they did the same thing to him but i was smart enough then i was smart to know what to do and what not to do when working with chris then but chris is a great dude anyway so it was easy cool. and then so 2005 you're in the super eight yeah, I made it to the, the 2005. Uh, Kettner uh, said, hey, Cam, like I said, I can't even go down because WWE won't fix me if I go down to Super 8 um, this year. Because I was going to. I was going to take a cortisone shot and wrestle on that, that bum wheel a week after. Uh, I just uh, damaged it because I was supposed to go down the week later. <laughs> and uh, I, I was going to go, and then I talked to the office and WWE because I was close to getting a deal. So I was talking to them every week and they said, nope, you can't go down. If you go down, we can't fix you. Our insurance won't allow it. So I couldn't do Super 8 that year. I was going to do it. So Davari took my place 
at the Super 8 that year. And then 05, I got to work J.J. Perez. So Jim, Jim Kettner was a good dude. He just, like, he was straight up. He said, hey, man, next year that spot is still yours. You just make sure you're okay, and then you come back and you can do it. And I, like, I did the – I did 05. But I was nowhere near the dude I was in 04. 04 would have been a great showing. And then 05 was just, I don't know. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was on the verge of quitting, right, like, when I got injured. And then I tried to come back. And then I came back. And then I went to Super 8. And it was such a terrible showing that it took – it took a while. It took to about 06, 07 before I started to beef up and change from a goofy dancing guy to uh, straight up like the guy I am now. So uh, it took a lot. It took a lot of mental anguish to get through it and then be, go on the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously I like, to, I like to research and do everything I can on everybody, but it's nice when I'm doing a little bit of Wikipedia, which is probably not the best way to go. But uh, I'm like, oh, damn, Super 8. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's like a, that's a feather in the cap just to, to kind of be there. Um, so then you continue on with, uh, with WWE for a while. And then are you, you end up doing the Team Canada thing shortly after that. Am I right? That's right. I, I, I got signed to two years with uh, TNA. I was signed for two years. Uh, that's under the Scott Demore was there, and also Terry Taylor was in in management and stuff like that. And Dutch Mantel was there, and uh, I got signed to go as uh, uh, the in Team International uh, from Team Canada to Team International. So they were the plan was to put us, me and Doug Williams, together as a tag team after International, but. Uh, plans fall through, of course, because it's pro wrestling, right? And they really had no place for me. So I got a two-year visa out of the deal, a P1, which was wonderful for crossing the border, no issues. Um, but they had nothing for me, and Terry Taylor had to let me go. He's, he was bummed about it really bad because me and Terry are pretty close. But it didn't, it didn't matter because I was, like, doing other things. Like, I was on this show up here in Canada called Kenny versus Benny, and I had to call the office and say, is this okay? And then I had to call the office and say, I'm going to this big show in the States. Is this okay? And then uh, finally, Terry calls me and I say, hey, Terry, I'm just, uh, I was just about to call you. I'm going to go to, uh, like, I'm just calling about zero one because I finally got my in with Japan and I was going to go back to zero one after Hasumoto had passed away. And he said, well, that's why I'm calling you. He's like, uh, we've got to let you go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and, like, it didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt my feelings. So I'm like, okay, no problem. Thanks. Because I was so busy with everything else. I just had no time to really digest the fact that they let me go. Or I didn't even fight for my uh, job at all in the way of, like, um, storylines or whatever I wanted to do. I just said, you know what? I'm just, I got, I got Japan now and I feel good and I, I got stuff going on. So thanks. Thanks. It helps me not to call you every week and tell you where I'm at. So that was it. They, they have, uh, they're hard to find impact wrestling here for me. Uh, what yeah. channel they're on. Uh, but man, I went to, we sponsored bound for glory. Um, oh, sweet. wrestling travel did the the road to bound for glory so in the fall i went and saw the bound for glory pay-per-view in chicago and not having seen them for a long time and hearing I, I thought man it was really really well done i really thoroughly enjoyed um 
the parts of the show that I actually saw. Um, I was in Canada. I was in Toronto uh, August um, for SummerSlam. SummerSlam. You guys got a, there's a lot of independent. I don't know if they brought everybody in to Toronto, mm-hmm. but they had Smash. They had, uh, you know, I know the NXT guys came in and stuff, but right there at the, what is it, the main, the mid, mid event, Midtown Theater yeah. somewhere. Um, yeah. I saw a lot of great wrestling in there, and it's such a small venue. Um, is the independent scene, I mean, prior to all this COVID, is pretty, was it pretty well thriving? In Toronto? Huge. Yeah. Huge. Like, too much, actually. Uh, like, to the point now where it's, uh, like, COVID's not a great thing, but uh, if you're going to take a positive away, it gives people an opportunity to just cool their jets a bit. Because, uh, uh, like any other city, like, I don't know what it's like in other cities, but I know in Toronto there's multiple promotions, and then they run every week. So that just, you, you it's exhausting. And, like, it's overdone. And then there's lots of flip characters so like and they they don't work with each other at all which is a shame but they have guys come in and they'll work heel and then the other company they have to be babyface and one is their character is their you know what i mean they're in a gang or a stable and the other one they're the loners you know what i mean so it's 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 too much it's oversaturated in toronto and so uh this whole pandemic thing has kind of let everything kind of go to the wayside where everybody can take a break because houses were like dropping everywhere and like SummerSlam weekend was just the pinnacle because there was so much wrestling that I don't think uh, you couldn't you couldn't draw after SummerSlam weekend I'm sure for months it wouldn't it's it was no good anyways right because we had WXW in we had uh the Chinese promotion OWE we had um you know, all these guys that are just like every, every, all these promotions coming in for like a WrestleMania type weekend, like just piggybacking off SummerSlam to do it. And it's just too much. It's just too much because you see so much of it. And I know I'm a huge wrestling fan. I watch, my wife is like constant telling me like, that's all you do in life is you just watch wrestling. I'm like, no, I watch like space videos. I love science. I love space. I like boxing. I like, I like things like this. It's like, but there's always an inkling of there's wrestling on all the time. And so I just, and, and I love it that much. And then watching all the amount of wrestling that was going on, it was like, I was sick of it. And for me to say I'm sick of professional wrestling is, you know, you're overloaded. You know that you're, that's too much. It's too much, right? Because I'll be the last guy to quit. I'll be the last guy to say, oh, that's too much wrestling, right? I'll watch it forever. Yeah, because I, I was, I was really... Besides the guys I knew that they brought in, like the OWE and stuff, mm. I'm like, well, there's a lot of so a lot of people here, a lot of a lot of talent. Um, so as I as I jump around here, so you you've wrestled in Japan, wrestling travel as I as you know and everybody out there knows, we bring the fans uh, to the events that they want to go to. The last one we were able to go to was Wrestle Kingdom in Japan. Um, we provide the flights, the hotel, your ticket, great experiences, meet and greets, all that stuff. What has been, in your wrestling career, um, what have been some of your favorite towns, favorite countries, places that you that wrestling has taken you to wrestle in? I know that's like asking you what's your, your favorite kid, but you got any, you got any towns or anything that kind of stick out? Any 
places in the world that you're like, man, this was good. Yeah, you know what? I, I well, of course, Japan's going to be on there on the list because I'm, I was a huge fan of both the culture and the food and just like my routine. I'm a I'm a dude that's based on routine, so like you can throw me in any kind of situation, even an uncomfortable one, as long as I get a, a, the time to adjust and get into a routine, I'm, I'm golden. Like you can send me anywhere. I could go to Puerto Rico tomorrow, as long as I know where the gym is and where the grocery store is and like where I can go. And if I can get some Wi-Fi somewhere to say hi to the family, I'm gold. I don't like, you know what I mean? I just know what, what I like. I know what I like to do and I'll revolve around that. Um, so Japan's great because they're always, everything's on time. Everything's professional. Everything's super clean. Food is fantastic. And I, I live off of beef and rice. My wife, like, she said, like, teases me about that, too. Like, hey, what are you having tonight? What are we having for dinner tonight? Well, I was like, I was thinking uh, beef and rice. She's like, no, sir. We can't eat that every friggin' day. <laughs> um, but I really loved it there. I love the, I love the people. I love the, the, the fans, and especially the fans, right? Uh, um, but I would say, like, I spent time now. This is because it's recent, maybe. But I spent time at PCW in uh, Preston, so Preston in the UK, and I had uh, just a blast. Uh, like I stayed there a week. I was there a week, so I went from WXW in Germany, which was a great experience and great, great people loved it and stuff like that. But we're in just this odd little hotel and stuff like that, and there was no gym around me and stuff. So part of my puzzle is missing. But I went to Preston, and the promoter, uh, uh, Stephen Flutter, hooked me up with a gym mem uh, pass and showed me around the first day. And I stayed at his place and, like, in this little room and stuff. And, man, I just I just did every day. I just did my thing, and I loved it. And I like, I like history, too. I'm a huge fan of actual history uh, and knowledge and stuff like that. And there's just so much content in the old cities right so i would love to go back to like and i think i will be back at pcw when this is all done um but i would also like to go back to wxw and because i'm a little bit more comfortable now and just other little places in europe because you know what i mean just i'm not a real sightseer guy but i just like knowing if they're pointing out the window and say oh well over there is where they had this you know the bomb hit here or something um it's just that's that's kind of my my thing like canada wise i'm not newfoundland i would say newfoundland so newfoundland's a, like i love newfoundland i love the people there and the, just their culture is so crazy um and in the states I, I find that the states is a little bit more um and i'm not trying to be insulting or anything it's just i find it very homogenized so a lot of it's the same so big city you get your big city everything's the same and just you you work around it so um but that being said i haven't been on the west coast that much and i would like to see the west coast of the states to see how things play out all right have you gotten to australia new zealand at all no you know what i've never been there i've always wanted to go there um that's one of those places. And I spent one night before I came home in this pandemic had me so stressed because they almost didn't let us come home. I was at that, I was like one of the last flights to get home. Uh, and I had to get home, I had to get home. So um, I was a little stressed about it, but the night before I stayed in London and London is, I would love to take the family uh, for a trip to London, England, because it's just 
that city is i was wondering why madonna always moved to london england and now now i understand why it's a very much a mix of uh super modern super modern but uh still sticking with uh old and traditional so uh i love that mix i love that about quebec city too quebec city's like that they're very very modern, very European, very, very slick and clean, but then they hold on to the roots like big Catholic churches and stuff like that. So you get a little bit of my nerdy side right there, I guess. I got a chance uh, right around SummerSlam to kind of drive around Ontario, Montreal, Ottawa. Uh, very beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, remind me a lot of home in Wisconsin here. Uh, but I'll have to talk to my buddy in Australia because what you want to do is you want to get booked in Australia in January. So you're away from the cold here and you're down mm -hmm. there where it's summertime. So that's, that's the key. If I was giving um, unsolicited advice, get that's the goal. That's yeah. the goal right there. And the food, I'm telling you, um, just everything is fresh. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but the, the food there in Australia and New Zealand is just, ridiculous it just makes it you know i would never think i would think australia you think first thing you think koalas you think kangaroos of course you think yeah. steve Irwin, and you think beaches that's all you think about or like most in shape people ever was like seem to be from australia but i would never ever think the food i would think the food but they, i guess you'd be right right if it's well here's the thing i was seeing a girl at the time who was a vegetarian okay so i ate vegetarian with her for a couple of weeks in Australia, and I'm like, nice. I could do this. <laughs> I could totally right. do this. It was really, and then I got home, and I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm getting sick from like the. I'm like, yes. there's just something totally different. So I think that, you know, when they say, hey, we got a lot of chemicals in some of our foods and stuff. I don't want to go down a conspiracy theory, but uh, my experience with with eating vegetarian in one country and then coming back here was was uh, was rough. So I always say. You know, it's kind of neat, though, when they say, would you like some of this? Would you like some passion fruit on your dessert? Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, we'll just walk out to the tree and grab it, you know. Just so stuff cool. like that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. That is very cool. Well, uh, so now that we have been, I don't know how many weeks we've been in this this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going by months. I'm saying March. Like, I came home mid-March, and then it's been like we're in june now so we're like three and a half months in here we're three and a half months deep i was at, at the end of february i was in toronto and the way it started on the i was only there for like three days but the news i was like man um i hope i get back home to the states because yeah at that time i guess it's still crazy but i think months down the road we're we're getting a little bit used to crazy but at that time i was like holy man I got to get out of here in case I get stuck, you know, and they close mm -hmm. everything down like some type of movie. But what have you been doing besides I know you're probably working out, probably watching a bit of wrestling, but what, what else have you been doing to kind of keep yourself busy during this time and keep yourself in the wrestling zone? Well, I, I, me and my wife are like my, she's super – She's super, like, needs to have stuff to do all the time. She's on maternity leave, so um, she's a nurse by trade. So we have a couple of kids, so we had to chase around these children all the time. Um, that's why I said 1 o'clock today. I'm like, oh, I think they'll be sleeping around that. Let's do it at 1. Let's do it at that. 
Um, but we built, we had, we just bought this new property and it has this big giant shop in it and it had a man cave slash garage, this big, uh, separate entity to the house and the house is huge. And the, and my land is, I got a lot of land now and stuff like that. Well, this shop on here, I thought, we'll, let's turn this into a, let's turn this into a, like, uh, the new wrestling school because I own a wrestling school. Cause I'm still paying rent on a place lease on a lease in London, uh, Ontario here where I'm not do using it at all. I'm just spending money just to hold on to it. Basically it's silly. So I thought let's, let's do something. So if we have to move the school, we'll have to move the school. Uh, and so me and my wife went to work on, uh, tearing out like this middle wall and, uh, putting up and painting and putting new floor in and stuff like that and buying gym equipment we've got squat racks and all this stuff and dumbbells and what have you anyways um we love it so much we love this place so much that i can't let anybody come in here now i like <laughs> i turned i turned it into something that was supposed to be productive and like maybe cost efficient and i've turned it into a cost expense uh, because we both love, like I've taken stuff from like, uh, the rock. I, I'm a big fan of the rock and I love like his influence on me is a little bit, maybe a little extreme, I guess. Cause I see what he's done and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm probably not going to be the rock, but let's, let's try to get the Tyson Dukes version of the rock. So we went with these iron paradise, the way it has the, the brick, uh, outlay and stuff like that. And I just, I made myself my own little iron paradise in my own house. And so I just, I can work out with, with ease. I have all the equipment that I need. I feel good. I probably won't go back to a gym ever again because I don't need one. I got 15 steps and I'm in a, a perfectly great gym. And so we, we got that all fixed up and I thought, nah, I'm not going to have anybody in here. I'm just going to continue to pay on the, in London and I'll just, eat the cost and then when it comes back i'll just you know i'll just there's a lot of interest in wrestling i'll be all right for people starting so we started with that and then we started going down the the rabbit hole of like um you know uh talking about businesses and stuff like that and i said mentioned one business that i loved and they kind of went out of business just because they didn't want to hustle it and we started uh wanting to do a clothing line and not just a wrestling clothing line we wanted to do something that was athletically based so athleisure i guess so it's comfortable but it's all sporty stuff so i started a company called the hammerlock apparel which is my clothing line and uh we're seeing quite a bit of success we just started and we're we have manufacturers that we work with in china and stuff like that to produce what we what we want and stuff like that so it's been i it's crazy. Like most people would sit down and relax and wait for work to start again. This sucker here never stopped. As soon as I got home from Europe, I just went to work, just building a gym and then now starting a clothing line. And uh, very, very sh shortly, once this gets back to it, we're going to uh, segue into uh, a wrestling company that's just doing small shows with an old school feel and old school style. Cause I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of the new stuff. So we're going to do that as well. So that's, that's basically what I've been doing. I've been going stir crazy. So I've been keeping myself busy most days. I'm, I'm down for a ticket for a promotion running old school style. So count me, count me in as buying a ticket there. Um, 
this question might be now. I looked at your Twitter a couple days ago. Mm. Uh, I, I, you showed some trunks that you were going to do some stuff with AEW. Can you talk yes. about that, or is that hush hush? Or what, no, what? The, no. I you know I just I, I was in contact with them, uh, and it was a search for spears. It was that challenge that was going down. Um, and I had the opportunity because uh, me and Spears have worked a lot together. I'm kind of one of the guys and like I shot a little clip for them, like a video and that was all, I didn't need any comedy in it. I didn't need to tell anybody that, uh, any funny things or any stage background. I was just in the, in the, the storage room of the place I was staying in the UK to film this thing. Uh, and I just shot basically all truth where uh spears and i i i helped spears get to japan i helped him uh get in shape for it i'm the guy that's always been uh because i've been i'm the old guy around here so even back then i would tell him like hey man like this doesn't work or this works before he went to wwe is gavin spears and then sean spears and or ty dillinger so uh it was lined up that i was supposed to come and go to work and uh do the tag thing i didn't know where it was gonna go because i i'm not gonna i wouldn't uh i wouldn't assume i'm like assumptions are one one of those things but my feeling was is that i wasn't going to be just a one-off guy like i i and if i had it my way i wasn't going to make myself a one-off guy that's why i got new gear made um and just i was going to be ready to go and so uh unfortunately as soon as uh, I was all ready to go. I had the tights made in a week. My my seamstress made them like really quick. And she's like, you're insane. Like, why are you doing this right now? I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, well, there's pandemics going on. I'm like, yeah, screw that. I'll be fine. And so I get home from Europe. I pick up my tights and then that was it. Because I was supposed to go the very next day. I was supposed to go right from the airport. I get my tights. I go home the next day. That's why I said like in that tweet i said like i was supposed to go right away to uh i said cleveland i made a mistake but you know how like twitter won't let you edit it was rochester i was supposed to be in rochester for aew so uh nothing has been i, I haven't been in contact with the company uh since then because of course why would i even bring anything up because there's nothing they can do anyways and i'm just wasting my breath but as soon as uh, things get back to going, we'll see. We'll see where we're at. We'll see. I talked with uh, a good friend of mine, Kikoa, the Hawaiian warrior out of the East Coast. Uh, he's the MCW champion, Maryland Championship Wrestling. And he uh, he answered Cody's challenge for the uh, TNT. So maybe that's something we can see you maybe down the road. Well, hopefully. that's. I've, I've worked with Cody before. And we have a good rapport together, and uh, I thought that too. I thought, well, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can hit it up uh, again uh, with a, and like I bring a different, different style, different vibe, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, if you're looking at, if you're looking for something that's different, that is more uh, to what his dad used to do and what he can do in the ways of like old school stuff, like his brother and his father and the way he used to work. Um, you know, you could, we could have one of those matches that can, like, steal the show without even have to leave in the ring. You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's one of the things I think if they if they went with that, and I'm not sure they're doing, but if 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 they were bringing in challengers from different parts of the world, you know, in a perfect world, bringing in 
uh, and showcasing uh, young and old alike. I think that would be cool. Um, I don't want to keep you for too much longer because I know that you got family things to take care of. Um, so final, final questions here. Um, is there anybody um, that you have on like your list of man what, before all is said and done, I really would like to have stepped in the ring with, with this person. Do you have a quote unquote bucket list? And I realized by asking that a lot of people, Oh, maybe I've overstayed. Do you have anybody on your list there? Um, there's uh, there's a couple that comes to mind. Uh, I would have to say uh, two. Two, in fact, come to mind. Uh, I was supposed to work with Aldis, so I think that's still going to happen. So, like, I'm going to leave that off the list because Aldis uh, for that NWA title, just to get close to that title, would be quite a quite a deal because I'm a history guy, right? So I like history and love that stuff, and I like old school. So uh, that was supposed to happen in Montreal for a company called FLQ. So we'll see if that happens with they bring them back. Um, uh, the two that I put on the list, I, I put out there a, a long thing. I, I had a tweet go out just listing a whole bunch of stuff that I would like to see happen when wrestling gets back, independent wrestling comes back, like selling more and all this stuff. I just put old guy, old guy stuff that I know that works because um, this new gen doesn't seem to have it as much. Uh, people telling them, hey, pump the brakes. They don't have that anymore, which is funny. Uh, so I wanted to do, I, I put on the list, I put guys that I would like to do, uh, like work with, and I've never had this before. I've always, and it's not an arrogant thing. I've just always been, I've been kind of the guy around here, like in Canada that a lot of people go to is like being the guy, being the top guy. So I don't, and people come to me, <laughs> I don't go to them kind of deal. Right. But as I get a little bit older and a little bit, a little bit more humble, even now, like I want to, uh, I, me and Jay Lethal have worked in six-man tags together against each other, and we worked a triple threat last year that was pretty solid in Montreal. And I would love to wrestle uh, Jay one-on-one. That's that's one of them. Um, and the other one was uh, Rush. I have a Roosh. I call him Roosh. But um, that style, you know how his style is, is very much like Perro Aguayo Jr. I, want, I love that style. I love Perro. I loved Perro. Perro's one of my favorite uh, all-time favorite Mexican wrestlers of all time. Yeah. And so uh, Roosh has that same style, has that same vibe and stuff like that. And I, work, I watched him work uh, or wrestle my old tag partner, Tracy, uh, Tracy Williams Hot Sauce uh, for ROH. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, Trace. And I just, in my head, I'm like, mm, you know what I mean? And now, yeah, like, I feel a very much a brotherhood kind of moment where I'm like, uh, I saw like the match with Tracy. I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I would do that for Tracy. Like, I'd be the big, big brother on that one. Uh, and I would love uh, an opportunity to work with uh, Roosh. He's another guy. He's the guy on my list. So those are my two. Those are my two main targets. I know John Gresham's on there, but I've worked John a bunch of times. I just enjoy wrestling John Gresham a lot. Um, but there's those are the guys. Those those two. Those two are on the top of top of my list. Uh, before it's all said and done, and I—I I don't mean like just a, a just a one-off. I mean I want something that has a little bit of uh, tangibility to it. I want to really sink my teeth into something that's either one show or two or three show kind of feel. That's it. Those are my guys.
And I, and I hear that the, the little ones are up, so I'm going to try to slow it. But just <laughs> on your tweet, because I was reading your tweet about slow it down, and it reminds me of the advice I received. Like, if you think you're going too slow, you, you still got to slow it down. You got to uh, slow it down. I want to write an article. I'm not a journalist, but I want to write an article on some of these missing um, missing moves in wrestling that I don't see a whole lot, maybe on the indie scene, but like your atomic drops, your abdominal stretches, your Russian leg sweeps and stuff. But I'm going to close with this. We want to wish you a happy birthday tomorrow. Oh, thank you. I had a time from wrestling travel. Um, but I also want to give oh, – where can fans that are watching this, how can they keep uh, in touch with Tyson Dukes? Like uh, you mentioned your clothing line. Can you drop all your socials for me and then uh, let me know how they can – maybe they can buy some merch. Oh, sweet. Yeah, uh, for sure. Everything that uh, I have is all linked to Tyson Duke. So uh, Tyson D-U-X, it's, uh, that's how the pronunciation. Because of Van Damme being in the 80s, Frank Dukes was his <laughs> character in Bloodsport, my favorite movie of all time as a child. Uh, and so Tyson Dukes, D-U-X. And if you find me on Instagram, you'll find me on Twitter at that. And then uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Facebook that are all – on my fan page for that it's all linked and i have everything that's linked to it from my wrestling school to my uh my clothing line to eventually to my little old school company that i'm going to be working with and putting out some old school kind of entertainment um and that's that's it my friend like this uh, is so simple i try to keep it as simple as possible because i'm not a tech guy and i know a lot of people still aren't uh, so I just try to keep it so it's all centered on one thing, just the name, and then they can find different branches of what I'm doing through there. Perfect. All righty. Like I said, happy birthday to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to catch up with you further down the road once uh, uh, hopefully we catch you at a live show is what we're hoping. Yeah, so, I hope so too. hope so too. That'd be great. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. So next here on the WT Podcast episode two, it's the WT Quiz Round testing JC on his history of the AWA. We did say last week we were going to sort of widen it a little bit for have more sort of classic questions in there, but I've stuck with AWA this week and test Justin's knowledge and once again. So Justin, are you ready and have you been doing your, uh, your research? I live the AWA. I, I retitled this segment the quest to get Greg Gagne to that's appear a, on the that's lockdown session. The quest to get Greg Gagne on the lockdown sessions. That is the, uh, the new name for this wonderful segment. So, JC, question one, are you ready? I'm ready. So, Super Clash 1990, does that event ring a bell? Uh, no, Super Clash 4, maybe? Four, yeah, yeah, from 1990. Super Clash 4 from okay. 1990. Can you tell me what the main event was of that event? Uh, was that not Larry Zabisco versus Masa Saido? It was not the main event. Really? Was that a match there, though? Yeah, that was a match on the card, but it wasn't the main event. Uh, okay. 
If you need a clue, I can give you a clue. Yeah, give me a clue. So the match itself was a steel cage match. Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos, the Destruction Crew. Um, Del Wilkes and Paul Diamond. Del Wilkes was the uh, was he the trooper then? You've got it. You've got it there. Correct. Paul Diamond. You know that's so odd. If you go back to Super Clash Three with 1990, 1990, 1988, Kerry Von Eric versus Jerry Lawler, unified WCCW and the AWA titles. Such a bloody, such a good match, and that match gets over, and they bring out the main event, which is the Rock and Roll Express versus the Stud Stable. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Was there? A, I don't know if you'll know, but was there any particular reason why they had I've asked. world title matches on before the main event? I've asked, and I didn't know that was AWA's first time they were doing pay-per-view. So maybe they thought, um, I either thought the reason was they didn't want to run out of time on that main event match, so they placed that there, or if the Rock and Roll Express at that time had something in their contract, um, um, to be top billing or whatever. I don't know, but we, uh, I am on a quest to find that out. I'll ask Greg Gagne when he's on the lockdown sessions. Yeah, definitely. The quest to get him on. But speaking of Gagne, the next question, the AWA World Heavyweight Championship, how many reigns did Vern Gagne have? Are you sure? No, but I'm going to stick with it because that's the first thing that popped in my head. The answer is 10. Why did I say four? Edit that out so I don't sound like a jackass. No, I'm kidding. 10, you're right, because he did, he did trade it quite a bit. I thought he had four, like one of them being a long range. Right, okay. So I was just looking at the one who had four was Nick Botwinkle. I don't know if there was any confusion there. That's all. No, but I'll take it as confusion, but I should have known Vern. Yeah, so. on you. Ten reigns, a combined days of 4,677 days as the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, so that's How did he lose his belt the final time? I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that one, but can I you explain to the listeners, JC? Just retired and they gave the belt to Bachwinkle. Well, they just gave it him, did they? They didn't have like yeah. a, a tournament. No. no, Vern was uh, up there in years. The last reign, I think it was like 80, 81. So. But I better stop talking because somebody's going to look it up and be like, this guy doesn't know anything. So. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's um, – so that's one out of two um, answers there for you um, moving forward to question three so the last nwa world tag team champions were dj peterson and the trooper who won awa you said nwa fool sorry awa it's easy to confuse so awa tag team world tag team champions dj peterson and the trooper who won 
the titles August 11th, 1990. They were the last AWA Tag Team Champions. But who did they beat to win those belts? Wasn't that a tournament final? Was it? Was Coquina Maximus involved? Yeah, he did a run in. It was like a whole schmaz there. Who did they beat the Destruction Crew in the finals? They did defeat the Destruction Crew to win the tag team title. That is correct. Okay. I didn't know because I didn't know if you'd throw a, a Destruction Crew twice in here. So, a little curveball there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's um, fantastic. But yeah, looking at the the details, the Destruction Crew defeated Paul Diamond and Greg Gunya in a tournament final. That's where it was crazy because then Coquita Maximus came out and they attacked Greg Gagne. He came out with Adnan Al Casey. Now, Coquina Maximus would be better known to you as Yokozuna. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's a lot of history in the AWA, like early 80s Hulk Hogan, but I implore people to go look up in YouTube and try to find because there's a lot of names in the, in the latter part while the AWA was uh, dying, but there's a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of stuff that gets overlooked in there. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's great that I'm learning a few bits and bobs here as well. And But, JC, you've got two out of three. And Stop right here. We, and I do have one more question for you. Only four questions this week. Okay. Um, so, are you familiar with the event Wrestle Rock 86? I am familiar with that event. Held in Minneapolis, Minnesota, twenty-three thousand people in attendance for that. Yep, at the Minneapolis, at the Metrodome. Yep. Um, so for this question here again, similar to the earlier question, what was the main event of that event? That main event was Jimmy Superfly Snuka and Greg Gagne in a steel cage match. Um. Did they fight Nord the Barbarian? And I, I forget whoever it was. If they won, Vern got five minutes in the steel cage with Adnan Al Casey. Am I right on that? The Snuka and Ganya. It was on the card, but it wasn't main event, according to this here. I thought it was another one where they had the cage set up, so they went. Um, main event with it yeah um wrestle rock 86 you're definitely on the right lines you're definitely on the right lines so it wasn't a steel cage match it was Was it a singles match it was a steel cage you were right in saying that it, 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 it went into the main event with a steel cage Why do I? And I'm happy to provide another clue if you wish. Yeah, because I swear to God, it was Snuka and Ganya, and Vern would have got five minutes with Sheik. All right, what's my clue then? Yeah, so they they did happen on the on the card from what I can see, match fourteen, match fifteen. The clue is the main event was a tag team match. 
In a steel cage as well? In a steel cage. And according to this, it went to 21 minutes. And I don't, I'm, I'm going to kick myself, but I really thought that Gagne and Snuka was the tag team. I can't remember who they – Bruiser Brody was there. Um, were the Road Warriors? The Road Warriors were one of the teams, but who did they face? They were in the main event? Yeah, according to this that I've got in front of me here. Okay. But who uh, you're gonna have to give it to me. People are people have already Googled this a thousand times. They're gonna be like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, according to the details here, the main event was the Road Warriors, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk with Paul Ellering, who defeated Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin in a steel cage match. Does that ring a bell? Jimmy that's awesome. And that's pre-Freebird Jimmy Garvin. That's awesome. Yep, nineteen eighty. That's another. If you get a chance, if you've only seen Freebird Jimmy Garvin, go back to the AWA and even before that, World Class, and watch Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. He's got some great promos. He's hilarious. He's got that 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 heel persona hiding behind Precious, and before that, Sunshine. Uh, but okay, so I got what am I fifty percent? Two two out of four. Two out of four on this one here. I mean, I'm just looking at this Wrestle Rock 86 event. I mean, there's 16 matches on the card. I'm wondering how long this event did go on. Obviously, because people now compare Mania going on for a, for sort of quite a while. This this you know, there's a, quite a lot of lengthy well, matches. Even a a boxing a little match known see with Larry Larry Zabisco in a boxing match. With Scarlett, I imagine, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Um, and then I believe, if you look at it, I believe that was the event I talked with Gary Michael Capetta about. And Gary Michael Capetta, he's like, uh, I couldn't remember. He's like, there's some country star. I'm like, yeah, Waylon Jennings played there. So, um, wow. yeah, Waylon Jennings, I'm looking it up now just to make sure I got my, yeah, Waylon Jennings performed a brief concert following the final match. You got to remember at this time um, in 1985, when I, if you go back to the always, this is why the lockdown sessions are cool. And I'm not just trying to put wrestling travels lockdown and myself over, but uh, if you go back to the Nikita Koloff interview at that time, the NWA and the AWA were doing some combined things. Um, uh, the Comiskey park was a super clash where Nikita found himself in the ring with Ivan. And then um, Crusher Khrushchev, Barry Darso, Demolition Smash, against the Bruiser, the Crusher, and Baron Von Raschke. So um, I'm looking at the card here, and it looks like we had a look at uh, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, um, the U.S. Express. Um, they probably were just on their way to having the WWF tag team belts against the fabulous one. Giant Baba's there. Vern had a pretty good relationship in Japan. Harley Race versus Rick Martel. Rick Martel, former AWA champion against Harley Race, former NWA champion. Um, a 10-woman battle royal. Sergeant Slaughter uh, Kamala was not uh, in the AWA, I believe, regularly. He was from the Mid-South there. 
Um, it's great guard. Like I said, there's a lot of history there. Yeah. Bockwinkle and Stan Hansen. King Kong Brody and the Barbarian. Yep. And then Road Warriors. I mean, I don't know about you, but for an old school guy like me, it, it makes me want to watch that right now. <laughs> so your original question was how long did that last? And I imagine that was, I bet you maybe a two and a half to three hour event. Nice. Well, yeah, it's great to learn about all these, um, all these different events that I've never sort of seen or, or checked out before. And like you say, for the, um, the lockdown sessions, having these great guests on it. Uh, obviously and that, history. and not to, I, I keep putting them, the lockdown sessions over because it, it's passionate for me. But when, when you look at that, when I asked Nikita Koloff, I could have asked him about his best of seven with Magnum TA. But how often, he's probably been asked that every interview of his life because that was a big deal. But I turned that into what happened when he made the, the, the baby face turn. Was he expecting that result? And we talked about Super Clash of him being in the ring with Legends. And he's got a really funny story that I won't give away, which will make you go, hey, when I subscribe, I want to go listen to the Nikita Koloff. So... And that's what I hope to get out of these is I hope to interview a lot more current stars, future stars, but I love interviewing some of these legends and getting these stories from the past and sharing it with everybody. Cause I'm afraid these stories will get lost forever if we don't record them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's great that we have a, a mix of all different uh, wrestling styles and uh, personalities on the lockdown sessions. It could be from, all the way to the Blue Meanie, to who, who do we have recently? Jordan Oliver. Just all these different uh, um, different guys and gals. It's uh, it's really a great uh, platform for um, for us. And, and for I want to say to the fans out there and people listening that it may not be your cup of tea, and you may go, I've never. Well, I'll, I'll put somebody over right now. The mouth of the Midwest, JP. Most of our fans are going to go, "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> Well, listen to that, and you're going to find some of the best stories that I've heard in professional. In fact, I think I've only scratched the surface with JP. I need to get him back on. He's got some great stories about going up and down the road with Marty Gennetti, uh, being in the ring with Greg Gagne. Uh, there's just there's a lot of stuff. And I wish um, – I know some of the lockdown sessions go along, but I just get passionate about – talking and wanting to hear these stories that um, we're going to have to do a best of lockdown and cut some questions from each one and have a video. But um, yeah. So their lesson is um, if you're a fan of professional wrestling today, um, go back into history, find out, find your favorite wrestler, find out who trained him, find out who he liked and go back and watch, and then go back a little bit before that. Where were their styles influenced? What can I see? What did they take? Um, I was a big fan of Kiss when I was in college, the band. Even though they were kind of making a comeback in the mid-90s. And Gene Simmons said in an interview, go back and look at your musical, the people you like, who influenced them. And, that, you know, to find out that they were influenced heavily by the Beatles uh, people were influenced by the four freshmen, um, all these 
bands that I'm like, ah, that's too old for me. I'm never going to listen to it. Not the Beatles, but some of these other bands and just to hear the influences and then see the influences. And I still am going to get an article out about the, the lost moves of professional wrestling because you know who does a good job of that? We just heard him today. Tyson Dukes. Go look at his Twitter. He's got some really cool clips of some moves that I know wrestling fans today have not seen or have not seen in a long time. Yep. I mean, this episode, it's been a very, very musical episode, hasn't it? This one, Jason, with the karaoke and uh, the Beatles and everything. Yeah. It's it's been very, very musical. Um, But uh, no, it's been great to, to have you on again. And that is all for episode two of the Wrestling Travel Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed it and we'll be back again next week for another week of professional wrestling.